welcome to the Breaking 90 podcast, where we talk about all things sustainable fat loss. We take people on 90-day journeys to creating fat loss forever. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking 90 podcast. I'm here today with my co-host, Kelly Sarlo. We're two of the coaches of Breaking 90 Fitness. Thank you guys for being here, watching and listening with us. I hope you enjoy today's show. Hey, Kelly. Hey, how are you? Doing great. How are you? Good. What's new in your world? Um, what's new in my world? So we went, um, there's a concert that Devin, uh, for, for those of you listening, Devin's my wife. Um, there's a there's a concert that she really wanted to see, Mitchell Tenpenny. He's a, a country artist. Um, not Not a huge, huge country artist, but pretty big. And um, we couldn't find a show anywhere near us. So we decided to make a trip over the border to Detroit um, on the weekend for a concert, which was really cool because tickets were like dirt cheap. Like I think it was like 30 bucks a ticket. Wow. And uh, it wasn't that far of a drive, really. It was only a four hour drive. So, I mean, we've, we've driven further for other things before. So it made it for a really fun little weekend trip. Um, but I have kind of a funny story. So it was it was all general admission. And we we got there early enough to get food, but we decided to park near the venue and then go get food near the venue. So we were close. And as we parked, we realized there was already a lineup of people waiting to get like good standing space. And we're like, oh, crap. So we, we for, for went food and got in line so that we would get a good standing space. So we were right near the front, really, really close to the stage, which was cool, but it was all standing and it was like shoulder to shoulder, like so, so crowded and hot and like uncomfortably hot. And partway through the show, I have to go to the washroom, but they're way at the back of this venue. And I'm like, oh God, I can't hold it. I need to go. And so people were so upset with me pushing my way through to the back to go to the washroom that I was like dreading trying to make my way back for the show now and it was it was like the worst experience people were telling me off and like refusing to move for me one guy was like no I'm not moving and it was just like insane insane I've never been in a situation like that um it was so uncomfortable I should have just peed on the ground oh my god (laughs) that's awful yeah yeah it was in hindsight um I would have rather been further away from the stage just because of how uncomfortable that was (laughs) I can't like they had trouble letting you leave like that's it was more the coming back that was the issue oh for sure because but like I was I was coming back alone I'm not trying to just get to the front alone I'm getting to the front to get back to my wife but people were not happy with me (laughs) yeah it was chaos yeah was the concert good it was great yeah it was awesome yeah um what do you have today for a topic Um, I want to talk about comfort foods. So this is something that I think we all experience, but I don't know that we've ever actually discussed the context of comfort food or defined comfort food because it's different for everyone Um, and how comfort foods can sometimes get in our way of progress. So I kind of wanted to break this down for people so they could have a better or healthier, which is what I always mean when I use the word better, a healthier concept of what a comfort food actually is um, so they can feel confident indulging in them. Cool. I like this. Good topic. Yeah. Um, so where do you want to start? 
Yeah, I want to I want to start with the definition because this is something you know we had some clients uh, message yesterday when I did some check ins and I just said you know how are you doing this week any obstacles and they said yeah my comfort foods and of course my job is to dig in and ask questions about what that means and how like to understand right so I thought I'm gonna look up the definition of comfort to actually just verify that I think it is what I think it is first of all and then challenge them and ask them what they believe it means. So what came up was a physical ease, so a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint, okay? Which is really neat because the first half just simply states a state of physical ease. But then the second half of the definition actually says a freedom from pain or constraint. And to me, these are two completely different scenarios, right? When you're just experiencing ease for the sake of ease, that's one thing. When you are experiencing something to get out of pain, that's a completely different experience in my brain. How do you see that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's, an, it's interesting because I don't think that's necessarily always the way people are using the term comfort food. Right. And that's exactly why I wanted to dig into this, because when I was doing the check-in with uh, a couple of these individuals, um, the comfort food itself, I can completely understand because they were talking about pasta. And yeah, like pasta is a warm food. It creates a feeling of coziness. The carb is something that I think we can all um, gravitate towards now and then. And so I could understand how eating pasta feels cozy or creates a feeling of ease, especially oh. it's a family tradition, right? Totally. Yeah. And so the other, the other component, this is a big one for a lot of people was wine and being a non-drinker myself, you know, I was asking like, you know, what do you love about the wine? What does it make you feel? What does the pasta make you feel to understand what feeling they were seeking? Right. right, um, right. Because if we label something a comfort food, we often do it when we're really young and that's fine, but we don't necessarily challenge what it is as we yeah, go. Right? Totally. Yeah. And so when they were reaching for these foods, and these were two individual cases, what ended up coming out was not that they just wanted to experience ease because they had an average day. It was the second part of the definition, which was to have freedom from pain or constraint. And so I thought, then is it really comfort food? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, and I think a lot of people probably misuse the term, but it's a term that's so commonly used, right? It's, it's everywhere. Um, the way that I often try to reframe this is, is eating for our mind versus eating for our body, which I think is a lot more accurately what's happening, right? We're eating, we're eating for our mind, which isn't a bad thing. There has to be a balance, but, but being aware of it's important. Absolutely. And so one of the first things that I was asking them at that point when we determined that it was to get out of pain was, well, what caused the discomfort, right? Because oftentimes we have this knee-jerk reaction when an initial feeling of discomfort hits, and there are lots of feelings of discomfort, right? When you look at an emotional wheel, we've got sadness, we've got anger, we've got fear, we've got surprise, and all of the different variations that go underneath them. So what actually caused the discomfort was my first question. And if we're not digging into where it came from, then we're just self-medicating, right? We're just saying, this is uncomfortable. 
not this. And that's not an inherently bad thing, right? And this is where I'm saying, like, I don't want people to feel shame or grief about themselves. It's good to label not this. But then we have to do a little bit more with it rather than just say, well, comfort food must be the solution. Totally. Yeah. Um, Can you do me a favor and read that description one more time? Yeah, absolutely. So it says a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint. Okay, so one thing that's really interesting is is the constraint portion. Um, because a lot of people on this journey live in these these roller coasters, these ups and downs of like t- being in too much restriction and not enough restriction and trying to find that balance. And what's really interesting is that almost always when we live in a state of too much restriction, what we do have access to, we're more likely to steer towards things like what we would consider our comfort foods. So say you've only got X amount of calories to play with. You're, you're really, really, really restricting yourself. You're, you're continuously hungry. You're pushing yourself to your limit, but I've got an extra 200 calories. You're much more likely to use those 200 calories on comfort foods or foods for your, your brain, your head than you are to use those foods for those those 200 calories for nutrition towards your your body which which isn't a bad thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing you're just more likely to do that more frequently with more restriction and i mean you know you've heard you've listened to us lots we're we're continuously pushing for sustainability over intensity pushing for it over that extreme restriction when you do this sustainably and you find that balance, it isn't as much of the like, it, it doesn't eat at you the same way. There isn't as much of that, that desire. Um, you're still always going to have it. There's, there's still always going to be cravings and things that you turn to um, when, when you do have those extra calories or points to spend. But it doesn't nag at you the same way when you can fit it in balanced as when it's almost off limits. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. And you're saying too, like when you find a sense of balance for yourself based on whatever you're trying to achieve, let's say, even though you are actually creating a limit, a healthy limit, it doesn't actually feel like a constraint, right? Because we have this healthy concept of why we have a limit, um, we're agreeable to it because we know what we want to achieve so that it, it's not a sense of constraint at that point. Is that kind of where you're leaning towards too? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. I, I feel really passionately about this topic too, because one of the things that the uh, the clients had said was like, I just felt so bad for overindulging these bad foods. And I was like, whoa, like pasta and wine are not inherently bad foods. And if we're labeling them that, then we are creating another constraint on top of one we already created for ourselves, which was the calorie deficit they were trying to be in. Mm. So there's these two elements that's causing friction. And I'm, oh my God, when we experience friction as humans, right? We're just like, nope, I quit. So like we can eliminate both of those things by not labeling something a bad food. And also by not putting too much of a restraint on ourselves. The other thing that I wanted to kind of play around with and people can toy with this in their own mind is when we actually label it a comfort food. So there will be days of the week where you're planning, right? You're planning your meals and you're like, you know what? On Wednesday, I'd love to have some pasta. 
And it's just a thought, right? We're not labeling it a craving. We're not labeling it comfort food. We're just saying, I'm going to plan for pasta. So it's got this like neutrality to it. On other days, like you just mentioned, I'm craving this. I'm craving the carb. I'm craving a meal that I loved from childhood. Now it's a completely different experience of the food versus I had an emotionally rough day and I want comfort food. There's, there is a huge, huge advantage to getting ahead of these things. You're not always going to be able to, there's, there's going to be things that come up that change the path, but if you can get ahead of these cravings, urges, um, this hunger in general, you are going to win for much longer. And what I mean by when I say that is, is planning things that are important to you rather than waiting until you're at your breaking point to have them, right? So that's, that all circles back to the sustainability, the balance in, in your nutrition and all of your lifestyle choices. But if, if a comfort food for you is pasta and wine and you can build it in within balance into your plan, you're going to kick ass. If you restrict, 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 and then allow yourself to have it eventually, you're probably going to go off the rails, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it creates completely different experiences of the actual eating and enjoying of the foods themselves. And that's what I want people to recognize is like you said, if you're creating too much restraint, your experience of eating that pasta and drinking that wine is this like, I, I need to satiate because I feel deprived. Mm. If I plan it out and think to myself, you know what, it's been a while since I've cooked my grandmother's sauce and meatballs, I'd really love to have that this week, your experience of it is enjoyment, is yeah. of being filled up, not from a place of lack, but just from a place of desire, and I think that's completely different than deprivation. This is, this is the same way we approach the, the idea of a cheat day, so if you guys, if you guys haven't ever witnessed Dwayne The Rock Johnson's cheat days, like go look them up. Like people see this and they're like, cool, if the rock can do it, I can do it. But you have to understand that this, this isn't a mortal that you're comparing yourself to, right? Like he, he spends his entire life and career and days becoming the human that you see. And for most people, a cheat day is not the answer. Because that's, that's encouraging that behavior of restrict until the point where you go absolutely nuts. The way that we approach it is we actually, we actually want you to build in what we call O days, which is a day that's not on track with your goals entirely. But instead of treating it as a cheat day, we try to minimize the damage. And all that means is try to, try to make this day a little bit better than you would have in the past. And that's it. You can still you can still enjoy some extra foods. You don't have to follow your your program or your goals to a T, but it's not an excuse to binge or go off the rails. But we build in these O days, these days off plan throughout the course of your journey, which stops you well, not always, not not for every person always, but it stops you um, there's a better chance it's going to stop you from completely falling off the rails, binging, or having a complete blow up. Yeah, I love that. And I hope that people are 
using this definition and deciding, like using it as a decision-making or a discernment tool, when they have this idea that pops up into their head or, or they hear their own self-talk of, man, do I ever want comfort food or I need comfort food tonight? And they're thinking, okay, what definition of comfort am I approaching this with? Am I, did I just have a regular day and I want ease or am I in avoidance of something? Because if it really is about fixing an uncomfortable feeling, then this is a completely different experience. And so I would ask like, okay, where did the discomfort come from, right? This goes back to that question that I was asking in the beginning, because if we can identify where the discomfort came from, we can go into a succession of other great questions to say, okay, is there an action to be taken in order to alleviate these uncomfortable feelings, right? Because if there's an action to take, then I can figure out how and when to take that healthy next step. And the food or the beverage itself is no longer necessary, right? When you take an action, you take back the healthy control in your life. Oh. You don't feel the need to self-destruct at that point. If I recognize that there's an action to take and I feel fearful of it, don't want to do it, think it's going to cause me more discomfort, then it really helps illuminate the fact that these quote unquote comfort foods are actually a form of narcotizing, meaning going to sleep to our feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that people need to be really careful of is that pasta and wine aren't meant to be something that actually just narcotize your feelings. There's something pleasurable to be experienced for the sake of pleasure, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I mean, identifying if there's an action to take is really, really big. The other way that you can approach this, and this is again, what I want people to be able to take out of this is a, let's identify the feeling itself. So don't stick to that emotional wheel where you say, I feel sad, happy, mad, you know, um, not happy, pardon me, sad, confused, um, fearful, etc., and just stick to the main ones. Like, let's actually describe it. Like what level of that feeling are you experiencing? Be a little bit more descriptive because when you can identify the emotion, then we can say, okay, so what is the opposite? If, if I'm labeling it, not this, then what is the opposite? And at that point, did you truly, truly believe that wine or pasta was the antidote to that feeling. Did you think right. it was going to make you feel the opposite, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, pe people are people are often going into this situation blind. They don't they don't really believe it. For sure. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the individuals, and I'm, I'm just using her as an example because it's an excellent one, and I think we've all been there, is that she felt confused. After a long day, she was like, I felt really confused about what was happening and what I needed to do. And so I wanted wine to fix it. And I said to her, okay, did you genuinely believe that you were going to come out of three glasses or four glasses of wine with clarity? And she was like, oh, no, I did not. Yeah. And like, okay, so this was not eating for comfort then. This was eating for avoidance. Mm -hmm, totally, yeah. And really, really important for people to hear that we don't go into shame at this point, right? This is just a healthy process for you to walk yourself through to actually understand what you're experiencing. That's all. I just want you to know what's happening because if you sit there and you go, ooh, I'm, I'm actually trying to avoid something, Rather than feeling shame, you can actually catch yourself before you walk into the self-sabotaging behavior and go, okay, I want to choose a different action this time. This, this is a pattern and I'd like to do something different about it. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually right in line with um, the tip that I'm going to leave everybody with today, but I'll, I'll save it until the end. Cause there's still, there's still some stuff I want to cover. Um, okay. But, but uh, 
Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Awesome. Um, Go ahead. Okay. I need to backtrack a little bit. So earlier I mentioned living in that state of restriction uh, with things like quick fixes and fad diets and crash diets and challenge, small, short challenges, things like that. We often push ourselves into a big, big state of restriction. And this is getting a little bit off track, but I think it's important to include on this episode. Um, what happens then we have a little bit of wiggle room left like I talked about and we often steer towards those foods that we would deem comfort foods or foods that are are for our mind and not for our body which isn't a bad thing in balance it becomes a bad thing when they're predominantly the foods we're going to so when when we're always living in this huge state of restriction and we've only got a little bit of wiggle room each day and we save that wiggle room every single day for foods that are not in line with our goals, that is a problem. Mm-hmm. And even aside from, from everything we've covered today, what is going to happen over time when you're constantly choosing less nutrient-dense foods, less nutritious foods, it will have an effect on your metabolic rate over time. So... Over time, you are going to start burning less and less and less and less calories. This is this is largely in part to the fact that you're not giving your body adequate nutrients for recovery, repair, and performance. But over time, you're now going to be burning less calories. So I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm not saying this to tell you not to have some of these foods for your mind, because I think there has to be a balance or we're going to go crazy and we're going to fall off track regardless. But we need to make sure that we are allocating some of our extra calories, resources, points, however you're budgeting yourself towards foods that are for your body too. Nutrient dense foods that are going to help you perform better, help you recover better and keep you in the game longer because those are the foods that are going to play a really big role in keeping our metabolic rate high So that as we lose weight, our metabolic rate doesn't start to plummet with our weight loss, because then you're going to really friggin hate this journey. If you're always having to eat less, less, less to make it to the next level, you're going to hate this journey. Yeah, that's awesome. I think too, what you're talking about just kind of solidifies why it's so important to have a goal and goal can be maintenance. Remember, I'm not saying that you should constantly be like trying to cross finish lines in your mind, that that's an exhausting life. Um, But if you don't know why you want to eat healthy, then choosing those or saving those those points or calories for the foods that aren't really fueling you, um, you stop questioning because you're like, well, what's the point? I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. Um, instead of understanding that you you need to be able to keep up that metabolic rate over time. Totally. Or or the journey will become, even though you're living in that extreme state of restriction now, it's going to affect you longer, yeah. right? Yeah. Cool. That, cool. That's all I wanted to cover today. I just wanted people to start thinking about their comfort foods and just have some tools for the next time they feel that trap come in um, so that they can hedge off that feeling of shame and the act of self-sabotage cool so i've got i've got um i don't know if i'll call it a tip or or a thought or what it's i want to call it but it's really in line with what we talked about today so something that i say often um to our clients is that you have to own your past in order to control your future so i want to challenge you guys the listeners to this to start owning the decisions that we have made in order to move forward from them. Rather than sitting back and playing the victim, 
there's going to be life circumstances. Absolutely. There's going to be life circumstances that get in your way that make things more challenging. But if we always sit back and say that this was out of our control, it's going to be really hard to ever move forward from that. Remember that regardless of what happens to you today, what comes up today, you are still in control of what you eat and how much you eat and how much you move. There's going to be shit that gets in your way. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not trying to make this seem like it's just as easy for every single person listening to this because it isn't. We all have different lives. But if you don't own that shit, you're never going to be able to control your future. I love that. You're talking about personal responsibility and that's, that's just a healthy adult. Absolutely. And that's a big one. It's something that we, we preach all the time in Breaking 90. Own your past so that you can control your future. That's a great way to end. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you found this helpful. Um, if it stirred up any questions, thoughts, or anything that you want to dig deeper into, make sure you reach out to either one of us to continue this conversation. We'd love to. Um, but most of all, thanks for being here and, and listening with us and hope you tune into the next episode. Thank you.